Hey everybody, thank you for joining me on another episode of the Yellow Tech Row podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. And I appreciate everybody who's been listening to the podcast up until now. So with that in mind, I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, So today's episode is a little bit about some news and some leaks, but also overall where we're at as a smartphone consumer technology consuming public. So the other day, excuse me. So the other day, a leak came out about the 2020 iPhones, which in and of itself is kind of annoying, you know, with the leak culture, because the new iPhone isn't even out yet. They're going to be announcing it next week, which, you know, I'll be talking about uh, on the podcast shortly after. It's not even out, and you have these uh, leakers coming out. Oh, yeah, this is what the 2020 iPhone is going to have. So one of the things they talked about was how they're going to implement in-screen Touch ID, which uh, which makes sense as so many ma- Android manufacturers have gone to uh, in-display fingerprint sensors. LG just whipped out a phone, then they've taken their hand at it. Huawei, Xiaomi, OnePlus has been doing it for a couple generations. Samsung got on the board with the S10 series this year. So a lot of Android manufacturers are making phones with in-screen, in-screen fingerprint sensors. And Apple's track record basically is let them work out the bugs of that technology when it's ready and ready for prime time without any glitches, we'll implement it onto the iPhone. So that's what they're going to be doing next year. But the other tidbit of that leak is what I found more interesting. So there, for a couple years now, there have been rumors of a sequel to the iPhone SE that came out about, I think, three years ago. And... They've been talking about it for a long time, and that device was was strangely popular. And it becomes a situation where it's kind of a dichotomy of what people actually use and want, and what industry specialists and manufacturers think that people actually need. So let's go back to the iPhone SE. When it came out, it was kind of written off in a way. It's like, oh, Apple just had all these leftover 5S casings and they wanted to make some money off of it. So they put the processor that was in the iPhone 6S and just kept it going. But what they found out was how a small phone still kind of resonates with people. And, you know, the 6S and the 6S Plus were out and, you know, some people were upgrading from iPhone 4s and 4s's or even from an iphone 5 and they looked at the situation and were just kind of like yeah you know the new phone is nice but i don't really want too big of a phone i like the smaller size phone if they're coming from a 4 maybe just a slight bump up in in vertical screen size was enough if they're coming from a 5 maybe they still wanted to use the same cases that they were using on the iphone 5 onto their SE. So the phone actually was really popular and people who used it were saying, you know, for basic communication and phone calls and email and things of that nature, it was excellent. So it had enough success to warrant some sort of uh, sequel. 
And then it really hasn't happened. You know, the 7 series came out, then the 8 series, then the original 10, then the 10s, and now the 11. All have come out without a small phone companion. And that's kind of the interesting thing is how it's you see people who don't really like big phones. You know, they 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 like the idea of a more compact device. But the market doesn't make these options available. The screens keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and the bodies keep on getting larger, it seemed. And so what's the solution for somebody who wants something a little smaller? And what you'll have people saying is, well, you'll get the big screen phone, you'll just get used to it. A good example of this, I was watching a review of the Galaxy Note 10 and Note 10 Plus. Obviously, a Note 10, a lot smaller than the Note 10 Plus because of uh, physical dimensions and screen size. And the reviewer just put them side by side, and he said, if you just put them side by side, the, the Plus isn't that much bigger. You know, get the better functionality, get the bigger phone, you'll get used to it. But I think what we kind of fight against a lot of times with the phone size and things is if you go all the way back to the flip phones and the candy bar Nokia phones back in the day, we're always using those phones with one hand. So our natural instinct as we've grown up with phones is to use them with one hand. Now this newer generation that's coming up will be born into devices that are only large screen, which, so for them, that's not an issue. But for somebody, I wanna say in their mid to late 20s into their 30s and beyond, the use of a phone with one hand is the more natural thing because that's what we were used to. You know, a lot of these newer devices, say you have an iPhone XS Max, you have to use that with two hands. There's no way, you know, you, that you could reasonably use that unless you have really, really large hands. And that kind of becomes this dilemma because the reason we have these bigger screens anyway is for content. People are posting videos on Instagram. People are posting all kinds of content on YouTube. People are watching Netflix on their phones, watching videos on Facebook, uh, posting videos on Snapchat. Everything is video and photo driven. And to maximize that, what you need is, is really just a phone that has a screen that's going to be able to show that content because if you have a 3.5 inch screen like it was on the iPhone 4 you know that's not good enough for all this stuff so that I think has dictated the way that a lot of these companies view phone design and as I'll get into later it a lot of these trends you're seeing in smartphones is around the keeping the the struggle of catering to content consumption, but still having a phone that isn't a massive tablet in your pocket. So with that in mind, let's think about the phones in the market that are considered a small phone that are current. Really, to me, only two come to mind that are flagships and that are more diminutive in size because you have a lot of these mid-range phones that are a little smaller, but that's kind of a mid-range phone. So. The two that come to mind are the Xperia Z3 Compact and from Sony and the Google Pixel 3. And when you really think about it, by standards of four or five years ago, these phones are not necessarily small because the uh, Xperia Compact is 4.7 inches, whereas the 
the Pixel 3 is 5.4, I believe, and but you know, a little bit of the trim bezel, so it feels more narrow and is a little bit smaller, which is something that a lot of companies did. Samsung and LG kind of started that with the G6 and the S8, where they had the taller display, more narrow, so it was a little bit easier to use in the hand. So the reason when you look at specifically the Xperia Compact, anybody that read a review or tried to handle that device, it was a flagship device that you could use with one hand, which takes it back to what we used to use for years on the non-smartphone side, even on the smartphone side. Even when you had a BlackBerry with a full keyboard, it was still one-handable so that you could still be able to type with relative ease with one hand. And the original iPhones were Steve Jobs' whole vision of an iPhone and why he didn't want a big screen iPhone is because that he wanted his users to be able to use his phone with one hand. And it's an underrated feature or design aesthetic to be able to use your phone with one hand. It's designed around you're doing other stuff and you just need to use your hand one time real quickly. To me, it's why the swiping keyboard was even invented. Just think about it. Your swiping keyboard on a big screen phone is going to allow you to use your one finger to navigate and type out efficiently. Now, they marketed it around speed, and they are fast, don't get me wrong. But I also think there is something to be said about the fact that it caters to using your, your phone with one hand. And it's something that you know, Apple's now implementing that into their iPhones with iOS 13. Every single Android keyboard now, uh, as far as I know, with the exception of Flexi, uses some sort of gesture trail typing. And that's no accident. Now let's look at some trends that have happened over the past few years that have really created this weird situation. Because... You want to be able to hold your hand, your phone comfortably in your hand. That's one thing. You also want to be able to watch Netflix and have an enjoyable experience and not have to squint to see what you're, what you're watching. Or if you're reading an article, to squint, squint at what you're reading. And you don't want to go full on iPad, tablet, or you don't want to go back to a laptop. But you want to do it on your phone. What's the solution? Phone manufacturers decided the solution was the war against bezels so if you really think about this the first phone that really kind of started all this as far as getting rid of bezels to me was the Xiaomi Mi Mix the original one so it had virtually no bezels up top and a very small bezel on the bottom which housed the the, uh, the front-facing camera and they used the screen technology to produce sound for the earpiece now that phone had some limitations, but it showed the aesthetic of having such a large screen in a minimally sized device because you got rid of bezels. So phone manufacturers get a little light bulb moment. They say, aha, what we have here is I could give you this six inch screen without it looking like a Motorola Nexus 6, which was a gargantuan device without it looking like a huge giant tablet, that it could still be used comfortably. And 
not have any issues because you're, you're trimming out some bezel. So as time has gone on, you've seen iterations on this. You've seen LG and Samsung trim up the top and bottom bezels as much as they can, but still being able to fit their sensors in and still being able to fit all the stuff they need, the earpieces in and the stereo speakers and whatnot. So then after that, it turned to the iPhone, which went with the display cutout notch at the top of the phone, but gave you even more screen to work with at the top. So the idea there was that the top is going to be your status bar, gives you on the notch and under for, you know, full usable screen real estate. Now it's turned into the, the bezel-less, but with a whole cutout like Samsung has done and like Essential did. And further to that with what the Chinese manufacturers are doing with the pop-up camera. So that's taking away the entire screen and having a moving part in there to, to you know, maximize the screen real estate. And as resolution has gone up and refresh rates have gone up, all in service of content consumption. The OnePlus 7 Pro has the, the retractable camera. It has a full screen display. It's 1440p OLED 90 hertz refresh. While scrolling smoothness is huge there, but think about what all that means really. What it means is you have a device that is going to be optimized perfectly for video. That's why HDR on phones is even a thing. So this bezel-less race, a lot of people made it sound like, oh, this is because bezels are ugly. That's really not the case. It's really more about this is how we cram a six and a half inch screen or a 6.7 or eight inch screen like this in the Samsung uh, Note 10 Plus into a phone that you could still comfortably hold in your hand. And that's the big thing because they know that if they had bezels with a phone that's like seven inches, you have a tablet. You have the Nexus 7 basically, uh, that small Google tablet that came out a few years ago. And when you look at it that way, they had to do it because if, if Samsung came out with a Note 10 Plus and the bezel and it had the front facing button and the bezels look like it did on the Note 5, no one's gonna buy that phone because they're looking, what is this monstrosity? I can't even fit this thing in my pocket. And so people ultimately want it to be pocketable, but they also wanna be able to consume content. And that's where they, Apple kind of had their little trump card with the uh, 10s Max because the 10s Max had the same overall physical dimensions of a 8 plus, but you went a whole inch in screen real estate more because you got rid of the home button and got rid of those bezels. So they're gonna come up, these manufacturers are gonna come up with more and more and more ways to maximize their screen size. It's why they take out so many things. It's why they're gonna push the edge of the bezel as much as they can. And a lot of people have started calling it peak smartphone. And what that means basically is the whole thing is no bezel, you know, everything, there's no ports, there's nothing. It's a very Spartan approach to designing a phone. But there are downsides that come with this pursuit of marrying content consumption with 
overall size. You lose things. You could attribute this to the loss of the headphone jack in many ways. So a lot of people know that, you know, they get mad at Apple for removing the headphone jack, mad at whoever. And the reason they did they removed it is because they were trying to get the phones thinner and then they're trying to bezel less bezel the phones. So things of that like that are going to impact where you could fit a component like a headphone jack. And because people are so consumed on content consumption, they're going to need a bigger battery, which also gets in the way of the headphone jack. So all that in mind. So that's one thing that has come with that. Now, also more secure biometrics and more convenient biometrics have also been thrown to the wayside because of this race. So think about where we used to have fingerprint sensors on the phone. You know, the iPhone for years had it on the front of the device, as did Samsung, as did HTC. Only until really LG put it on the back did somebody think of, oh, that's a cool idea. Let's put it on the back so we can maximize more screen real estate. And so that slowly started to fade away. Stereo speakers started to fade away. And also the facial unlock software that Samsung uses is now completely gone since the S10 because there's no place for an iris sensor when you only have a display cut out for a front facing camera. And that takes away the facial unlock, secure facial unlock recognition. And you have this thing where people, they, you know, they hate Sam, uh, LG and Apple's cutouts because they put all their sensors in there for their secure face unlock. But they also don't like the fact that Samsung doesn't have a secure face unlock. So it becomes a thing where, well, what do you want? Do you want the more the feature or do you want the aesthetic of not having a bezel? And that's kind of where we're at as a phone consuming society. We're not really sure what we want. But what this is all eventually done is taken away features that people use all the time. Like think about if you're at a uh, at a coffee shop or something, you have your phone on the table and they move the fingerprint sensor to the back or they only use face unlock. There's no way for you to unlock the phone without picking it up, which is probably why the in-screen fingerprint sensor has become a thing. Now that's a whole disaster in the sense of the technology still not there, it's still not ready. But another phone trend that really caters to this ideology of content consumption is the foldable phone trend that's gonna be coming in the very near future. So think about how the Galaxy Fold was designed. It's folded over, it's like a chunky regular phone, and then when you fold it open, you have a tablet. So this device is designed all around content consumption. And you can see the, the appeal. You wanna do navigation on Google Maps, what do you do? You open up the Galaxy Fold and now you have a tablet instead of your small diminutive phone. The Huawei Mate X is doing this. LG just released um, a phone, the G8X ThinQ, that also has an optional accessory to create a second display, which I think is honestly the most practical of all the iterations because you know you don't have to deal with a crease all the time when you don't need the extended display, you just take out the case and it makes a lot of sense in regards to what they're trying to do. 
So this is all in pursuit of folding it into a smaller form factor, kind of like a flip phone. And then when you need more, you could open it up beyond that. So people think, well, the foldable phone, foldable phone is just lazy design and that's just the next iteration of some sort of technology. The real factor is that what it really is, is just a trend to maximize our content consumption without creating a larger bulge in our pocket. Have you ever tried to put a tablet in your pocket? It's not a good experience. So folding it over makes that a little bit more of a, an experience. And we kind of get fooled into thinking that it's for anything beyond content consumption because it, it just seems so pedestrian and borderline ridiculous to have something that's strictly only so you can watch Netflix and YouTube better while you're on the go. But think about how we use our phones and think about how these companies use their market research. They see what apps you're using. They see what you spend your time on. So why wouldn't they cater something to cater to the fact that you're, you're on YouTube three hours a day, for example, you're watching Netflix a few hours a week or more on your phone. So with all that in mind, why does this keep on happening? You know, is, is this what we want? Do we want devices with content consumption in mind? So let's make the case for the bezel for a second, right? So think about you're holding your phone, you're watching a, a video in landscape mode. You typically are gonna grab it. Oh, a lot of what a lot of people used to do would grab it from the top and the bottom and hold it in landscape mode, similar how you would hold a Game Boy, right? And with the minimization of bezels, this kind of all goes away because at that point you're holding the screen, you're not holding the bezel. So in a practical utilitarian sense, you know, reducing the bezel gets annoying. So think about when you're watching a YouTube video in full screen and then you have your display cut out or you have your notch or whatever, it's going to you have to zoom in on the video, you miss parts of the video, the hole punch cuts out a part, the notch cuts out a part of the video, and it's not the greatest experience. Then on top of that, people have to shoot video differently because your old phone used to be 16 by nine. Now it's 18 by nine. And that's a different aspect ratio and that's gonna make it not look as good. That's why there's so much AI and software being built into the fact to be able to optimize for these new aspect ratios. And then you have companies like Sony coming out with 21 by nine and LG with 19 and a half by nine. And there's all these different aspect ratios all designed around getting you content while still being able to use and hold your phone comfortably. So the real question you gotta ask yourself is content consumption on the phone that important to us or are the manufacturers just missing it? And what I kind of think is, we may think that the manufacturers are just missing it, but in reality, we this is what we want. Think about your most used apps on your phone. Even social media apps are going more and more video-based. You think about Instagram with Instagram Live and Instagram TV, those are usage numbers are going through the roof. You think about uh, Snapchat and the way that they have shows made for Snapchat and Snapchat doesn't have a web client. You're only using Snapchat on your phone. The only other way to properly use Snapchat on the desktop is if you have a Chromebook with Android apps 
or if you have uh, BlueStacks on the Windows device, both of which are not great Snapchat and social media experiences. So as much as we want to deny that, the fact is we are consuming more and more and more video content on our phones. And manufacturers know if they have a phone that's gargantuan, it's not going to sell and people are going to say, I can't even fit this in my purse. I can't fit this in my pocket. I don't like this. So I think it's going to keep on happening and there's going to go more and more bezel-less all in the purposes to cater to our obsession with content. Uh, and companies know this. That's why they cater ads that are built in video style. Think about when you, whenever you talk about an ad that you liked. You know, it was, a, it was shot well and a cool ad in a video and you'll show that to people. That's how companies get their name out there. That's what they do to keep you engaged, to keep us all engaged. And everybody's guilty of it. You know, everybody watches videos on their phones. No one, no one is like the, the old BlackBerry model or the old BlackBerry user who only uses it for email and business and it doesn't do anything else on the web or watch a video that doesn't exist anymore maybe in on super locked down company and government phones but in the regular consumer space that doesn't matter anymore it's all about you know you're going to be consuming content in one way or another the way people recruit now is through social media applications you know people on, people on linkedin are always sharing videos you're watching that on your phone there's no way to escape it really so all of that coming into mind let's talk about what a successor to the iphone se would be and if it will be successful because apple as much as android fans hate to hear it you know is a trendsetter in that aspect so uh, what would a new se look like first of all some people could say maybe it will be the body of an iphone 7 with a full edge display what i think it could be is a 4.7 inch version of the standard se so when you look at the the se or the 5s it's a five inch display right what would that display size be if you just extended it so the design was very reminiscent of the iphone 10s only in the body of an iphone se I think that'd be an interesting device. I think people maybe a little bit bigger to accommodate the 4.7 inches, but I think even that size resonates to create a, a that same body for 4.7 inches. So I think that'd be an interesting device. People look at it as a nice small device. If you give it the same cameras and processor as that next gen iPhone, it'll be incredibly successful. And I think people would like that because some people just lament the fact of how big these phones are. There, are. there is a market for people who just want a small phone for communicating that's reliable and efficient. And they don't want a small phone that is lacking in features. That's one feature of the Pixel and iPhone lines that I've always grown to appreciate is the fact the small one and the big one do the same thing. It doesn't matter. So Apple, you would figure if they came out with an SE next to the iPhone 11 S next year, then that would be the same experience as the 11 S and the 11 S max or plus or whatever they call it, but in a smaller form factor. So I think it would be successful. And it really begs the question, why don't more manufacturers do this? They used to make compact mini versions, but they really don't anymore. And I think the accepted thing has become, okay, well we have 
you know, the smaller version, and that's if you like small phones. But if you really think about the smaller version of a lot of phones, you know, the S10e is decently small. The standard S10 is not a small device. You know, the G7, or sorry, G8 from LG is not really a small device, but the V50 is an even bigger device. So it becomes a thing where it's a compromise, where you have a smaller device as opposed to a small device because content consumption is still king and manufacturers want you to consume content to use their phones. That's why phone resolutions go up. That's why refresh rates are going up. That's why all this stuff is happening. It's all in service of you, all in service of you consuming content, watching content and enjoying content on these devices because it's a associative thing where if you enjoy the content on the device, you will show an affinity for the device and stick with the device. Think about the saturation levels on Samsung displays. They do this for content consumption because it looks good. Now you'll have some people say, oh yeah, well it's not accurate enough. The color reproduction gamut is not there. The fact of the matter is 1% of people think this way. And most people are very pleased by the way Samsung displays look. That's why Apple uses Samsung displays instead of LG displays. So as time goes on, I think this will only progress more and more and more because we are obsessed with content as a society and we will continue to be obsessed with content. Years ago, Facebook and Snapchat came out with research suggesting that video and video shared on their platforms was gonna be the future. And lo and behold, they're right. And it is the future, it's the present, and it will continue to be the future. So I'm curious what your guys' thoughts on this uh, subject is. Are you missing smaller phones? Do you want a smaller phone? Or are you one of those people who has a large phone and wants, a, wants their phone to be even larger? Because more real estate is better real estate. Love to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you again so much for listening to another episode of the Yellow Tech Road podcast. I'm your host, Omar. Very appreciative of any subscriptions, thoughts, comments, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, there will be the Apple launch event next week on the 10th, if I'm not mistaken, of September. So about four days from now. And uh, Nokia released some phones uh, yesterday, and I'll be doing an episode about that as well. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, also, let me know if you think uh, I should branch this into YouTube as well. Uh, that could be an option down the road. But for now, it's been another episode of Yellow Tech Road Podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.